Today we're going to be talking about tips and tricks on how to store your bourbon and how to drink your bourbon, etc. So if you're ready to learn, get your whiskey glasses out because class is now in session. And this is generally where I would cue theme songs, but today I am doing kind of a two-parter or two-four. I'm recording video and I'm actually recording podcasts at the same time um, because I feel like this is kind of a visual thing as well. So if you are a podcast listener, please head on over to my Facebook group, The Whiskey Consultant at Facebook.com. We'll be glad to have you and you can access the video there. This is going to be kind of a long one, guys. So like like I always say, buckle in and get ready. So I had a great question from my friend David about how to drink and store your whiskey. Also, um, does it matter ice, water, temperature, things like that? A really um, string of great questions, actually. And this is one I think is really important if you're going to be a whiskey lover, if you're going to be a whiskey connoisseur, if you're going to have your own collection at home. Um, because it is important to know how to take care of your whiskey. Um, there, there are certain things that I tell people on a daily basis as well as, you know, I practice myself. So one of the biggest pet peeves is if I go to somebody's house and I see their poor Merman collection on their wine rack. First of all, do not put your bourbon on your wine rack because number one, bourbon isn't wine. Bourbon is a higher proof and it has a cork in it. Yes, like wine um, and etc. but it's not wine. It's very, very, very different. So they'll have it and I have kind of a visual aid here. I'm going to kind of describe it to the folks on the podcast is the cork on most bottles are going to be one or two things. One, they're going to be a real cork or they're going to be synthetic. They're going to be artificial. If they're artificial, um, it still does matter because you really shouldn't store your bourbon sideways and we'll get into that. But really, if it's a real cork, which I guess about half and half are these days, but um, the cork will get eaten away over time by the high alcohol, by being drenched and soaked in such a high alcohol proof um, level, and it will start to crumble. So you don't want to keep your bourbon tilted at an angle like wine, and I'm showing the folks on the video, but you don't want to keep it tilted like that because if you keep it like this for a long time, months, maybe a year even, it's going to, like I said, eat away at your cork. And that's no good because by the time pieces of cork fall into your whiskey or your bourbon or your scotch or whatever, it's going to be ruined and you're going to need to throw it out. So don't, um, you know, don't tilt it and don't leave it on its side in a wine rack. Um, like I said, it's really the high alcohol content. It's going to eat away at your cork and that's no good for anybody. So the second tip is to kind of keep it away from the sunlight. Um, If you're going to store it in your living room or a kitchen and you're going to store it on your counter, I really would advise against that because the heat messes from the sunlight, the heat messes with the flavor of the bourbon and the whiskey, as well as scotch. So scotch generally comes in cans. Um, If you've ever noticed, and I'm going to show my folks on the video, this can of scotch. Um, This is one of my favorite islas. So this is a can. You want to keep the can. Don't throw away the 
can and put the bottle out on the counter to die. Just kind of keep the can and keep it in the can. That's going to be your scotch's best friend. Scotch, bourbon, rye, all of those things are stored in dark places. And so sunlight really does them no favors. Kind of like certain beers are better without sunlight. The same goes for bourbon, whiskey, and scotch. The other thing I will recommend as well is do not put your bourbon, rye, scotch, whiskey, whatever over your stove and the cabinet over your stove. I know a lot of people do this, especially with kids in the house. You don't want your kids to be able to reach it. And that's understandable. Um, but that heat from your stove and your microwave constantly going, if you are, are, if you actually cook, if you don't cook, I wouldn't worry about it. But um, it will kind of hurt your whiskey and, and, you know, scotch over time. So really don't do that because that's just one of those things that is going to ruin the flavor of your brown water. Also, don't put it in the freezer or the fridge. That's my other don't ever. So don't ever put it in the freezer or fridge. It's not like vodka or gin where you can do that. Or even some wines, you can put them in the fridge. But don't put them in the fridge because when these bourbons and scotches and ryes were kind of brought into this world they already went through a bunch of temperature changes and that's kind of what made them what they taste like today so going through different temperature changes really isn't going to do your bourbon scotches and ryes any favors so keep your bourbon at a constant temperature that's true don't store it in your garage don't store it in your attic don't store it um you don't even need a basement like a wine cellar or anything don't put it in your wine cellar that might be too cold just kind of put it in a room that doesn't see a lot of action and maybe doesn't have a lot of windows so if you got a spare guest room a study even that's also great a den a man cave kind of set your whiskey collection up there and make sure that it's not in contact with a lot of heat or sunlight because those things will ruin the taste as well as the cold temperatures like the fridge or the freezer so that was one of my friend's questions I hope that answered it it just messes with the flavor it doesn't hurt the alcohol necessarily but it will over time and you spent all that money on a bottle of bourbon or whiskey or scotch and you really want it to stay as best as it can so the other thing that I would recommend as well is if you get past, I'm going to use my Oak and Eden here. If you get past a certain level, like I'd say halfway, go to an arts and crafts store near you and get a bottle with a good topper on it, um, one that closes really tightly, or maybe another bottle with a cork in it would be preferable. I've seen them for four or five bucks. Um, get a really quality bottle that's smaller than the one, the bourbon or whatever came in because you don't want oxygen or too much much oxygen to get into your bourbon. That's another tip because too much oxygen is a bad thing for um, whiskey and especially scotch. Um, they spent all their life in a barrel or a bottle. So you really kind of want to um, maintain the integrity. And by that I mean over time it's not going to disintegrate super fast. But generally if it's down this much, if you can see you know, through your bottle pretty well, you really need to transport or you need to invite some people over and finish it off um, because really it shouldn't it shouldn't have that much oxygen in the bottle itself so that's my second or third tip um, the canters are kind of a uh, 
whatever you want to do kind of deal. Just make sure there again, if you get a decanter, um, and if you're going to spend the money, make sure that the top of the decanter seals and that there's no air getting around the top. So you just want to make sure that no oxygen gets to your bottle. Most decanters are good like that, um, but make sure it's one for specifically, sorry, for um, bourbon or whiskey. Don't get one for wine because those won't have the airtight quality control that a lot of whiskey decanters have. So do I have one? No, um, but I like to display the bottles that I buy um, because that's just who I am. So I really like the bottles themselves and I have no problem with just having the bottles lying around. So do that. Um, if you are going to store it in the kitchen, uh, but beneath the cabinet, you know, you know, cabinet is perfectly fine. Just make sure it's not near your oven or your stove because there again, the heat will get to it eventually. So bourbon and whiskey are kind of very temperamental that way. They need kind of a constant temperature. They need kind of some love and care and maintenance. Like if you're going to get past the, you know, halfway point, get yourself another bottle um, to, to kind of transfer it into. Also, we're, we talked about corks a little bit ago. Make sure your cork gets a little love and attention too. If it's a synthetic cork, an artificial cork, don't worry about it so much. But a real cork is very fragile. And so you need to make sure to kind of, and I'm doing this for my video right now, you need to make sure you kind of tilt it just a little bit around every four months or so, just let it kind of soak into your cork for just a second. You don't need to shake it up or anything like that. Just make sure your co your cork gets a little saturated because there again, the cork will dry out over time and it'll take a long time, but just kind of make sure that it's saturated a little bit with alcohol so that it doesn't dry, uh, dry out and crumble into your bourbon because cork in your bourbon will definitely ruin your bourbon and like I said you're going to need to throw it out so water ice um, my friend asked me about that water and ice are per your preference but this is what I suggest to you if you buy a bottle of bourbon and you don't know how it tastes and you're getting it home and you're experimenting which I always encourage you to do but make sure that for the first few sips at least for the first four don't put water or ice in it right off. Just kind of drink it as it is because you need to kind of know what your bourbon is about. If you add water or ice, it's going to mess with the properties. Um, I recently uh, got the Jefferson's Ocean Asia at Sea, and it's amazing what a piece of ice will kind of do to that bourbon. It'll change the whole different level, and in a good way, but you really kind of want to know what your bourbon is about before um, you kind of mess with it. So drink it straight the first time and then see if you want to go for ice or water. Um, there's a lot of things um, I kind of steer clear of and ice and water is one of them with my bourbon. I like to appreciate the, the, the way it came out of the barrel, so to speak. So I kind of don't mess with that unless it's a really, really high rye. Um, for some reason, my palate can't tolerate super high rye bourbons very well. And so I add just a couple of drops, an eyedropper is what I have. And that's what I recommend if you're going to add water. Don't add, a, you know, you can add a cap full. That might be a little too 
much, but don't, you know, let it run under your sink. Just a couple of drops of water, and that'll even everything out. Um, if you need it because your bourbon's a little too, maybe, uh, gives you too much of that Kentucky hug, um, then that's perfectly fine, too. Ice does tend to kind of d- d- tone down the uh, the proof, the especially anything over 100 proof. Um, is probably going to burn a little bit. I've been drinking for a while, so uh, foolproof bourbons don't really bother me that much anymore. That's another uh, trick that I kind of want to tell you guys about. Kind of maybe practice a little bit. So by that, I mean, if you have a bottle lying around and you brought home a new bottle and you're not sure how it tastes, Take some sips out of the other bottle first. Get your mouth ready for a bourbon party, so to say. It gets your taste buds woken up. It gets your palate um, kind of ready. Your palate goes, oh, I'm about to try something with a lot of alcohol in it. So it kind of um, gets over that numbness. So if you have a nice high-quality bourbon that you're about to try, um, go for the lower-quality stuff. It doesn't have to be, but it doesn't have to be high-end either. So kind of go for for kind of mid-range, lower-quality stuff or whatever you have lying around. And, and see what your palate says after that. A lot of times people don't like whiskey because their first try just kind of overwhelms them. And I get that. Um, I've had quite a few bottles where, you know, if I didn't know what I was doing, I probably wouldn't like it either um, until I got into it more. So that's kind of a big beginner's tip, if you will. Um, if you're an experienced whiskey drinker, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, bother. But, um, you know, at least kind of don't brush your teeth before trying bourbon. That's also a bad idea. It's like trying to, you know, um, drink orange juice after you brush your teeth. Those two things don't go together. Don't chew peppermint gum before you try bourbon or scotch. That's really nasty. Um, And I wouldn't eat anything too spicy because unless you don't really care how the bourbon tastes because you're not going to be able to taste kind of the nuances of the bourbon either. So, you know, do it on a quiet night when when you're not doing too much and you're just kind of chilling at home and you have some buddies over and there's some pretzels or peanuts or whatever sitting out um kind of do it that way and and don't don't brush your teeth before that's a bad I've had that happen and that's a bad that's a bad mistake so that's kind of you know some some little things you can keep in mind the other thing is you know before you test the bourbon and I'm going to emphasize this uh quite heavily is don't expect your first pour to be awesome. I've had, I can't tell you how many bottles of bourbon I've had where the first pour is horrible. And that's not because the bourbon is horrible. It's just because it may have come from the bottom of the barrel. It may have come from a not so great part of the barrel. Um, It might have been moved around too much when it traveled. It might have been sitting on the shelf for who knows how long and who knows what climate. Um, and it has to get some air to it, not too much, but just enough. So always kind of get past the neck before you judge it, because 
Odds are your first neck pour is going to be spicy. It doesn't matter. And by spicy, I mean it's, it's going to burn. It, it's it's not that it's bad, the whole bottle. It's just that it needs to breathe. Um, it's had this air bubble sitting above it for who knows how long. And I'm not a chemist, but it messes. The oxygen level messes with the flavor. So let it kind of come to your temperature at your house. Let it sit for a week. Get it down to the neck and then come back to it. I had a friend of mine who recently tried Eagle Rare and he was really upset with me because he had actually bought the bottle. He had seen it as liquor store and I told him to buy it and he brought it home and the first thing he did was pour himself a glass and he was so mad at me because, excuse me, because he said it was too it was too spicy and didn't have any flavor. And I was like, well, how far did you get? And he showed me a picture, and I got really upset with him after that point because the guy hadn't really even gotten to the neck. And he just poured himself a couple of drops, and I was like, dude, you have to get past the shoulders. So the shoulders, and I'm showing my video audience right now, the shoulders are kind of right after the the little bit that's in the top of the bottle and you really want to get past there maybe even a little more past the shoulders to get into it I say always wait until you're like third try I always give my bourbon three chances and then it's out the dickle you know I've talked about that quite a bit the dickle was horrible I tried that three ways from Sunday I even tried it in coke and it was disgusting so I you know that one's off the list but the um the the kind of thing that I like to tell people is just don't expect your neck pour to be awesome the first pour because it's just science it really the the standing upright and the air bubble above it it really messes with the flavor and maybe when you get your bourbon home give it a little bit of a tilt don't shake it or anything that's absolutely unnecessary but just give it a little bit of a you know back and forth and then then let it sit for a second like I said let it come to temperature at your house and maybe your car was hot maybe the store was too warm who knows um and maybe they stored it next to a boiler or something in the back room so hopefully they didn't <laughs> and um that's where kind of you give it a chance it's like Whiskey and scotch and bourbon and trying are kind of like a date. You have to give it a couple of tries before, you know, it really starts, their personality starts to come out. And so now that we've talked about kind of tips and tricks to kind of store your bourbon and how to make it last longer, just know that bourbon isn't forever after you open it. It is if you take care of it um, properly, if it's unopened, but bourbon really needs uh, some love after it's open. So like I said, if you get past the halfway point, the quarter point, really go ahead and finish it because it's not going to be good five, six years down the line. Um, I had a, a friend of mine pour me a and I can't remember which one it was, but he poured me one. It was horrible. And I was like, how long have you had this? And he goes, I think I've had it for about four years. And I went, yep, that's what it tasted like. So, you know, have a party, invite your friends over, do some shooters or something, um, but kind of get rid of it after a year. I mean, it's really it's really not going to be at its best after a year or two. So, 
Yeah, as much as I like to think bourbon is forever because of the high alcohol, and really it is. It's like wine if you store it right. But generally, um, after a year, if it's halfway gone, I I try to get rid of it uh, in a consumer way. So that's kind of that. And then, um, oh, and this is very, very important too. Um, Just make sure that uh, when you get it home, just make sure that you put it somewhere safe, you know, because I've actually had bourbons fall off counters. I've had um, my friends tell me a couple of them uh, one time got their, left their bourbon in the car and they were driving around and it the bottle cracked because it was a really hot day. So that's no good. Just kind of make sure you get it home once you get it home. Don't let it sit in your car over night if it's really cold or it's really hot that will definitely mess with your flavor as well like I said it's kind of like wine that way um if you're really worried about the cork go to a go to a craft store or um, a hobby store and get you some synthetic corks um that's really a good uh, a good tip right there and just replace it if you want um if you're really that worried about because those won't crumble as bad on you but you kind of do still want to do the tilt little tilt thing there after maybe a year or so on your shelf um but don't hoard your bourbon i mean if you're gonna have bourbon on your shelf longer than then you need to uh you know maybe rethink your your bourbon loving because bourbon is meant to be to be drunk that's what i always say don't hoard your bourbon nobody's gonna remember you for your bottles um you know and you're not gonna be able to take them with you so as much as i like to think i can don't hoard your bourbon and and share it with people you love because that's the best part. And as far as testing and trying bourbon, that's one of my favorite things. And there's um, a lot of blogs and reviewers out there. And one of my biggest pet peeves is they do this thing where they kind of have these nice glasses like I have this one and this is a great it's a tulip glass it's great for sniffing it's great for testing it's great to look really cool while you're trying bourbon um, or scotch even but they stick their whole nose down into the glass and for me that's not really a big deal I don't have a big nose so um, but really that is a big no-no in the whiskey kind of genre. In wine, yes, you want to stick your nose down in there. That's why wine glasses are kind of big because your whole face kind of needs to, your mouth and your nose need to go and smell the wine. But for whiskey, you don't want to do that because the first thing you're going to get hit with is ethanol. That's the first thing. And that doesn't matter if you've been drinking whiskey for days or for years. The first thing you're going to get is ethanol. But if you stick your whole nose into a whiskey glass, that is going to turn your taste buds off like nothing um your your olfactory is going to go to your brain and your brain is going to go to your stomach and your brain is going to say your stomach this doesn't smell like a good choice because it's a really um it's really nasty smelling ethanol um you know if you've ever been to a gas station you know you've been to a gas station and the gas smell gives you a headache like it's your brain telling you that you really don't need to be there um so the science behind that is that it's just everything is kind of connected with our taste and our ability to smell and all that kind of stuff so you don't really want to over 
overwhelm your nose or your palate. Um, so this is a way I learned to smell. And I really respected the guy at Maker's Mark who taught me. I was sitting in the back and Maker's Mark does a great tour, by the way. It's two hours. They're amazing. They know everything about uh, bourbon and whiskey that you ever want to know. And you actually get to tap a couple of barrels um, actual barrels for your samples. They have some lined up and you actually get to pour from the barrels. Nowadays you don't because of COVID. Um, but when COVID's over and if you want a good fun time, go to Minker's Mark and do the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. It's a lot of fun. So I was kind of doing it with my nose in the glass and the guy that was doing the, um, the tasting experiences, his name was Mark and he was about six foot five, had a beard and a big old southern accent and he goes honey what are you doing and I said I'm smelling the bourbon like you told me to and he goes no 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 no, sweetheart and he comes over to my table it was a little bit embarrassing but he comes over to my table and he goes this is how you do it darling and he puts the whiskey under his nose just a little bit and goes back and forth he doesn't stick his whole face in it he doesn't put his whole nose down in there he kind of just he said it was a waft. He goes, you kind of just move it back and forth. And he told me to keep um, my mouth open because if you do that, the ethanol has less of a chance of getting to your nose. And he goes, and he told me what I just told you guys about eth ethanol, that um, it really messes with your brain. So he said, just kind of pass it under your nose a couple of times, maybe a few, and keep your mouth open. So that's how you smell whiskey. And with wine, it was a lot different. That's why I was <laughs> smelling it like that was because that's how I was taught to smell wine was to put your whole nose down in there. But with whiskey, it's a little bit of an art. So like wine uh, smelling, it's a little bit different. And then he taught us how to do the Kentucky Chew. This I'm doing with Eagle Rare. I know what it tastes like. Um, I can tell you in my sleep. I can probably tell you from a blind taste test what Eagle Rare tastes like um, or that it is Eagle Rare. But he told me that this is something a lot of people skip after the first sip and he said you really can't skip this part if you're going to be a whiskey connoisseur so the whole point is to get it in your mouth and kind of do a, what he calls a Kentucky chew and it was a little bit funny how he said it so you get in your mouth and you coat your palate and you kind of get it into your cheeks and you smack your lips a little bit and then he said, I know that sounds really gross probably over my podcast, but he said that kind of wakes up everything. And that ethanol at first is going to make your mouth tingle. And you're not going to be able to taste much except for maybe the RNA stuff that we know is in bourbon, oak, vanilla, caramel, etc. And then you go in for a second taste. And you let your mouth kind of open up as you sip it down because he said that also kind of tones down the ethanol so you let your mouth kind of breathe a little bit 
And then you kind of wait for that to go all the way down. And then you take your third sip. And he said, by your third sip, you should be able to taste even the littlest detail, like black pepper, nuts, and chocolate and things like that. And it's true. So your first taste is probably going to be off-putting if you're not used to whiskey and bourbon. Like I said, I'm kind of an experienced drinker. So I know to expect that ethanol. My brain just automatically knows to expect it now. Um, but with higher rye stuff, my brain gets a little confused. That's why um, I said I tend to add water to higher rye things. Um, but I always sip it first just to make sure. Um, and my palate has gotten a lot uh, more favorable towards rye lately. So I've steered clear kind of even adding water to, to high rye bourbons. And I really want to start trying more rye now because I think um, maybe my palate's grown up a little bit. And because I've been drinking whiskey and bourbon so long that maybe my palate's ready for something a little bit more spicier. So he kind of taught me how to drink um, bourbon and I thought it was a lot of fun. And that's kind of what my advice is to you. So for the first time, if you ever drink whiskey for the first time, it's going to be probably not a great experience. It's going to burn. It's going to make your mouth feel numb like you've been to the dentist and you put that stuff in your in your cheeks. Um, that's what it's going to feel like the first time. But after a few experiences and especially with higher proof stuff, I am a big fan of foolproof these days. I didn't used to be. 100 proof was kind of where I leveled off. But I really like stuff over 100 proof now. And like I said, that's just my palate growing up to, um, to try more whiskey and bourbons. So like I said, you kind of have to be not experienced, I would say, but you have to give it some tries. Um, I, I took a friend of mine out for a bourbon flight testing recently and she just couldn't get over the, and I tried to teach her everything, but she just couldn't get over the ethanol and the whole, um, the whole spectrum. So whiskey is not for everybody. This is true. Just like wine's not for everybody. Um, for me, wine is something that I'm trying to get into. I'm not a huge expert on it. I like the history of wine. I like how it comes from different regions. Um, but my taste level of wine is very, very, uh, I would almost say very un- experienced <laughs> because um for me i can just taste grape and these guys are saying oh they taste vanilla and violets and honey and all that and my palate just says can i have some whiskey and bourbon please so wine is not like i said not everything's for everybody um but like i said just gonna give it a couple of chances and then see what you think for me, it took me a while to appreciate straight-up whiskey. Um, I would always drink an old-fashioned or whiskey sour. Whiskey sours were my favorite when I was younger, in my 20s. I could live off those things. But um, now I appreciate the actual production of bourbon and whiskey and scotch. And I want to kind of keep that appreciation with my tasting and not adulterate it with soda or something else. Um, so I try to kind of pay homage to the distiller that way and keep it pure. Um, my my father used to call it uh, cowboy style. No water, no ice, just in a glass. And um, sometimes you can forget the glass. <laughs> so that's kind of how um, I drink it these days. 
days and I don't, you know, look down on people that add ice or water. I do hate bars that put too much ice if you get a pour of whiskey. That's why I never order my whiskey uh, with ice at a bar because they will go crazy with that stuff and odds are it's not going to be good ice. And we talked about old fashions, remember? So this is what I recommended. The, these silicone babies are worth their weight in gold. I don't like the prefabbed rocks that you throw in your freezer, especially the metal ones. I think the metal ones mess with the flavor. Maybe that's just my weird brain or whatever, but I don't like the metal ones. I think those are weird. They don't, they don't even stay cold that long. I think I timed the one I got, which was like 30 bucks and it lasted for 20 minutes. One of these babies, see how big that is, the holes are for these things? One of these babies will last you 20 minutes. So get a silicone tray. Um, they're like 3 bucks at Walmart, Target, Dollar Tree. You can buy them. I've seen them um, at your liquor store even. I've seen them. Get one of those babies and make good ice. Um, and whiskey drinkers do say good ice because they know... Big pieces of ice are better than chips of ice. One of my pet peeves about James Bond is that he always orders his martini shaken, which is, you know, James Bond specific. But really by the end, after they shook it all up and everything got diluted, he was really just ordering a weak martini. So, you know, <laughs> kind of kind of keep it simple. Get um, a nice a nice ice tray and invest in that. Whiskey glasses, there's all kinds of whiskey glasses, and this is where maybe the people on the podcast are going to get a little jealous of people watching this online, but this one that I have my Eagle Rare in, that's a tulip, um, and that's really cool if you want to do a flight, get a few of them. I got this one for a buck at a thrift store, and it, they were just sitting there calling me, so I got this one, and it's great for sniffing, it's great if you're going to do a flight, um, and you look really cool with one of these, with one of these guys and this one is kind of a goblet a smaller goblet style this one I got at um, a world market for a buck fifty they were having a clearance sale and these are really good for scotch as well as whiskey but they're really good for scotch because they have that round uh, edge and so you can let your scotch breathe a little bit scotch does need a little bit um, of air to get to it so kind of let it sit out for just a second a lot of scotches are like that especially your more peanut peer ones just kind of let them swirl around just for a, a little while and this one is kind of an on the rocks glass this is from my friends at Lafroig. I met them a couple of months ago and they were doing a tasting and they gave me a couple of really really nice glasses these are really legit Lafroig is one of my favorite scotches so I didn't mind taking these from them this is great for old fashions or um, if you want to do a whiskey and coke and you don't want to throw it in a plastic cup these are great for those too um, but get something if you're gonna make an old-fashioned get something high-ended like this high high walled like that and make sure it's pretty thick because I've actually bought whiskey glasses that were really cheap and when you're trying to um, macerate the sugar with the bitters I've actually had them crack um, and also the thin ones tend to break in the dishwasher so just kind of keep that in mind and so to cork or not to cork well, that's kind of the, the question here. Um, you know, corks aren't 
necessarily necessary <laughs> in whiskey. Uh, I used to think so. I think a lot of people think that that corks are that means it's a good quality bourbon. But I've had good quality bourbon that didn't have a cork. I think corks are just kind of an homage to the way bourbon and whiskey used to be made. So you know, it doesn't necessarily need a cork. And it's kind of like wine. People will tell you that about wine these days. Not perfectly good wine that didn't have a a cork in it either. So wine and whiskey are kind of similar in that sense that they don't actually need a cork um, unless you want to, you know, say they do. So I've heard it both ways that a lot of people these days are saying it doesn't necessarily need a cork. So I'm going to go with that, um, that, you know, it doesn't have to have a cork. If it already comes with a cork, it does, but it doesn't. If you're buying a bottle and you're looking at it and you're saying, oh, I bet it's not very good because it doesn't have a cork, don't be that snobby. You know, who knows? <laughs> so Evan Williams, Bottled and Bond, it doesn't have a, co a cork. Jack Daniels doesn't have a cork. Um, you know, it really doesn't matter in the long scheme of things. It's just a good way of kind of making sure no air gets to the whiskey, although... Like I said, bottle caps worked perfectly well, too. And in fact, you don't have to maintain stuff that has a bottle cap. Corks, you kind of have to look after a little bit, but who knows? So I've read a couple articles lately that said corks were absolutely unnecessary in whiskey. Maybe, but um, they're still going to make them, and there are going to be those people that say, oh, it's not good because it doesn't have a cork. Just like people with wine are going to say, it's not going to be good because it doesn't have a cork. That's kind of an urban myth, but uh, there you go. So if you see some bourbon that you like and it doesn't have a cork, I'd still go for it, um, especially if it was uh, well-sealed. The only time I wouldn't buy bourbon is if it didn't have the plastic around it. That's the only time I would steer clear, or if the bottle had a little crack, or hairline fracture or something like that I kind of steer clear or if you can see some stuff down in the bottom that probably meant it came from the bottom of the barrel and that's probably not the greatest batch um, I've seen a couple of bottles like that um, also kind of see how your liquor store stores their bourbon most just put them on the shelf that's perfectly fine but see kind of where the light hits the store if you're there midday or sunset uh, something like that just kind of see how much light those those bottles get and maybe reach for the one in the way back you know kind of like you do with bags of salad <laughs> kind of reach for the one in the way back and then go from there that's kind of my tips um, and we talked about bourbon doesn't always have to be expensive to be good either so always remember that shipping uh bourbon whiskey that's something that is beyond me um it's i think it's illegal in most places so i wouldn't do it um just kind of store it up and you know that would be a great excuse to go visit some friends or family they make great gifts though if they like whiskey and scotch um odds are that they're probably going to be pretty happy i know i am always happy with a bottle gifted to me and if i do a side gig that's how i request to be paid is in bourbon or scotch <laughs> so um you know that makes a great gift as well that's kind of my tips and tricks for today so i hope you guys have fun kind of learning about the different 
different ways you can enjoy your scotch and bourbon and maybe a little helpful ways to keep your bourbon and your scotch at its freshest. So that's going to do it for me today, guys. I hope you had a lot of fun. I know I did. And if you want to, please send your whiskey-loving buddies over to listen every Wednesday. I also have my Facebook donate button page up and running. I'm trying to save up for a camera. I'm doing this experimental video to kind of get my feet wet. That's kind of what I want to do as well as a podcast. So um, maybe we can do some live streaming soon. And I do have some people lined up to come on the show. It's just a matter of scheduling right now and, you know, COVID. So kind of keep that in mind. And if you guys have any questions or comments, please send them over to my whiskey page. I love that. And like we did today, we'll, we'll try to get them answered. So I hope everybody has a great week. Have a great weekend. Enjoy your whiskey. And if you have them in a wine rack, please stand them straight up. I'm begging you. All right, guys. Have a good one. And as always, keep testing, keep trying, and keep exploring the world of whiskey. Cheers. Cheers.